Raising the Bets is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to Raising the Bets. We're a Catholic couple raising five kids outside of Boston. Join us as we share the joys and challenges of marriage, homeschool, and our adventures near and far as we make sense of the world and experience the best parts of our culture. I'm Don Bettinelli. And I'm Melanie Bettinelli. You know, I've always kind of wondered about that intro, the the make sense of the world part. Do we? I don't know that we make any sense. <laughs> the world doesn't that, that make seems, sense. Like, that seems highly aspirational to me. Yes, as we try to make sense. Of, of course, then you're adding words and it can, becomes less less pithy. And pithy is what I'm all about. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm feeling pithy tonight. So let's uh, start with some listener feedback okay. uh, from last time. Our listener, Mandy, sent an email and said... Uh, I just wanted to send a correction to the latest episode. Val Kilmer is still very much alive. He has survived throat cancer, is unable to speak clearly. Thanks for the show each week. Well, you're welcome. Did you Mandy. say that he was dead? I did say he was dead. I I should not have. I, I, I had the clearest. I trusted you. Well, I had I the clearest you. recollection of people mourning the dead. You know, Val Kilmer, but I must have got it wrong. I don't know what. I guess they were talking about the movie, uh, Top Gun Maverick, and how he wasn't able to speak in it and that he was no longer able to speak clearly because of the throat cancer thing. And that must have transposed. I don't know. Uh Do you know there was a website for the longest time that was that the whole website was, is Abe Vigoda dead? Okay. Because Abe Vigoda, like, lived forever. Like, he was in the TV show Barney Miller back in the 70s. He was also in The Godfather. You know, that is a little movie about uh, some Italian-Americans called The Godfather. I've never heard of it. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, so he was in that too. But he was most famous for Barney Miller, which is this uh, sit- cop detective sitcom. I've heard of it. I, I don't know anything about it. In the 70s. It. it was very funny, I have to say. It was a very funny show. And... He was in it and he was old. He was old when he was in The Godfather. He was old and and he lived like he lived to into the like 2010s. Okay. Like because people would always be surprised. Ava Goat is still alive. Uh-huh. And so someone created a website. In fact, <coughs> I'm going to look up Abe Vagoda and find out how okay. old he was. How old was he? He was so when he was born in uh, so he died in 2016 at the age of 94. He was born in 1921. So, and he was in, let me see, television. He was in Barney Miller. Where's Barney Miller? Barney, 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 Barney. In 1975 to 1977. It wasn't even on that long. It's funny. So that means 1975 minus 1921. He was my age. In... In, when he was in Barney Miller, he looked like he was like old and decrepit and like on the edge of retirement. <laughs> uh-huh. Like that was one of the, the funny sticks of the show is that he was always wanted to retire. He was 54. It is amazing to me, not that I'm like the, the, the fountain of youth, but it is amazing to me how much older people looked in the past at younger ages. Mm hmm. The first doctor, uh, uh, William Hartnell, who played Doctor Who, the first doctor, okay. was 58. And, like, they played him as this decrepit old man. It's wild to me. Anyway, just a little thing. So thank you, Mandy, for correcting my error. I'm always mm-hmm. uh, happy to be corrected. That's my life. Um, <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> so uh, let's move on. A lot's been going on this week. It's so, been a busy week. Uh, we started off this week with a very important day. Halloween. Halloween, of course. <laughs> and my birthday. So uh, as longtime listeners know, my birthday is Halloween. And so we always put off the, I don't know, we don't really celebrate my birthday. It's not like we do stuff. Uh, but because it's Halloween, we always... Um, 
we you know we kind of make do with we, the we defer we defer the cake until well today yeah we actually deferred you uh, you made the cake we had it today after dinner and it was nice Be- because really nobody wants cake on top of a Halloween candy no for we, several days yeah we we've tried that in the past and we learned our lesson yes so um. So let's talk about Halloween. Uh, so as our custom, we always order Chinese on Halloween because uh, Chinese is my favorite takeout and not yours. And so we almost never get it uh, except on Halloween. And so we order takeout. And it's also an easy dinner while, you know, before the kids go out. Although we ordered a little late this year. Yeah, somebody didn't order very early. I I get work. I'm busy. It was a Monday was a very busy. It's not like work I can day. order for you though. I know. I know. I you, you don't know what to get. No. So I just lost track of time, and it was like, oh my gosh, I got to order now. I mean, the, food's the kids come. actually ended up going out trick or treating, coming back, eating dinner, and then going out trick or treating a second for a second run. Well, and that was the the big thing this year was for the first time they went without us. Yep, Bella's is well, old you enough. were like, who's going with them? And and at first I was like, well, I guess you usually go with them. They always and want then, me to go then, with them. Like I stopped and thought about it. I'm like, Bella's 16, Sophie's 14, Ben is 13, Anthony's 11, and Lucy's 9. They don't need an adult. They've got two teenagers, three teenagers. They're fine. Right. And our, you know, our neighborhood is is safe. And they we've I've got them trained to be careful, carry a lantern, make sure people can see them crossing the street. Uh they have a 16 year old they're fine yeah well the other thing is is they haven't really gone trick-or-treating in like three years right so like 2019 so uh in 2020 obviously was there trick-or-treating i don't think there was in I, think there, I think i think there was minimal trick-or-treating oh people were like putting people bowls, were putting outside, bowls their outside their doors and stuff like there were people but the kids did did go trick-or-treating they got candy they got candy yeah uh, but there wasn't a lot. There was like it was a pretty subdued year. It was it was a quiet. And then last year we didn't trick or treat at all because we had had our we house went, disaster. We went over that yeah, last and week. we were in Plymouth, and the kids were sick and etc. So this year, boom, it's it's Halloween again, and we got a lot of kids. A lot of kids. Uh, we've had we must have had a lot of families with younger kids move into the neighborhood over the past three years. We've definitely had a lot more kids move in. Yeah, all the old people are dying off or moving out. Which is, is interesting. True. So uh, I love giving out candy on Halloween. I just love the kids coming to the door and oohing on over their costumes. And it's just and people being friendly. Hey, how are you doing? Waving from the door to the parents at the end of the driveway. And, you know, hey, it's a wonderful neighborhood thing. It's one of my favorite days. It's not just because it's my birthday, but because, uh, I mean, at least in New England, in early this part of New England, you don't get a lot of that neighborhood friendliness. You know, <laughs> no, you don't. I mean, we're you God's don't. frozen people, and you would, mm-hmm. you know, people don't sit on their porch and wave high to the and invite people them over. People don't talk to the next door neighbors. They, they just, how many times have we've lived here for uh, twelve years? Right since two thousand eight, so fourteen no. years. Fourteen years. Yep. So. 14 years, how many times have we talked to the neighbors to the, you know, the south of us, the on the right? Uh, maybe a handful of times. Uh, I could probably count them on like. I've never talked to the several. dad. I've talked to their son, their adult son, several times. I've gone to the door once or twice when the kids' ball has gone into their backyard. Yeah, mostly, mostly when, when balls or drones have gone over the fence. Yeah. Or, I mean. I've talked to their daughter Amy. You know when yeah. when she was young, when she was little, she used to she used to play with Bella. Yeah, but yeah, I mean now there's the, we've had a couple sets of neighbors on the other side, and we've talked to the neighbor kitty corner behind us, some with the dogs, um, Michelle. She's really nice, and the the people behind us. So I mean, we've talked to them, but we're not close. No, I wish we were. I wish we had that kind of neighborhood. But the nice thing is our kids are becoming friends with more of the neighborhood kids. They're doing lots more playing together. Yes. And that I think that sort of thing naturally brings parents together. Hopefully. Maybe <laughs> we'll see. Uh, 
but anyway, Halloween was really nice. You and I took turns answering the door. To, to, to we actually kind of almost ran out of uh, candy. That would have been. Yeah, I was giving out like two or three pieces to, per kid at the beginning, and then I had to switch to one piece per kid. Next year, we definitely have to get more. Like, who is it? Shelly, who lives in Houston, said they had like, they gave out 900 pieces of candy. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of candy. They have they have like a very busy neighborhood. Um, so the one parent... <laughs> I was like telling the kids, hey, it's my birthday today. And so, you know, when, my, when, it's, when it's your birthday on Halloween, you just tell the people it's it's my birthday and they give you extra candy. And one of the moms like, oh, it's your birthday here. Happy birthday. And she hands me a nip bottle of vanilla flavored vodka. <laughs> yep. You know, I've heard that there's like some neighborhoods, there are traditions where like there are cocktails for the parents at the door. Like they like the parents have cocktails as they walk around. I'm not sure that's a great idea, <laughs> but it's I'm, I'm I'm intrigued. Tell me more. I will come to your TED talk. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. What were the kids costumes this year? OK, so Isabella was Anastasia from the musical, yep. not the cartoon musical, but the live version musical, the Broadway musical, the Broadway musical. Yes, yep. they're vi- she and Sophie and Lucy are very big on the soundtrack to that. Um, yes. Yep. Uh, Sophia was a character from a web comic, uh, which I, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? But <laughs> it, had, it involved having a fancy hat with she, flowers. She used, yeah, she used my big, my gigantic fancy hat. We put a scarf on it and a bunch of fake flowers, and she wore a fancy costume with lots of jewelry, and she looked gorgeous. Yes. Um, Bella, as the character from Anastasia, she actually looked like an adult. I thought people might think she was the parent. Yeah, she, she looked, looked very grown up. She looked like she could have been a, a parent. Um, Lucy was a ninja. Ben was the radioactive Boy Scout. Yes, that's right. From the uh, Mysterious World. Uh, he was just going to be a Boy Scout. That was his like a goofy. I'm just going to wear my Scout uniform because I can wear that. And I he's said, a 13 year old boy. Because he's a 13 year old boy. Um, but I suggested I kept suggesting radioactive Boy Scout. And he was like he would kind of giggle. And so then I made him a radioactive sign. Like I just printed off a radioactive symbol from the Internet and then wrote radioactive Boy Scout. And I'm not sure that anybody in our neighborhood got it, but it gave me a giggle. I posted on our social media, especially the Mysterious World uh, accounts, and people did like it there. So there was and I suggested that next year people should do themed costumes from Mysterious World. I think that would be awesome. I would love to see that. We could do a Mysterious that. World costume contest. Yes. I mean, there's so many good options. I mean, it would be really cool. They could be some good ones. Bigfoot, you know, the Loch Ness oh, yeah. Monster. Uh, you know. Wait, did you do a Loch Ness Monster show? Oh, that's coming up. Oh, but you, in haven't, December. you haven't done one yet. Well, by next October. that will By be, next year, you will have. Exactly. Done. Okay. Yes. The Loch Ness Monster. Very excited. So we've already recorded that. So. Uh, the Cottingly Fairies. I mean, you could, there's so many things you could do. Oh, yeah. Wizard Clip. That would be, you could do. How a, would you, would you do? Clip, you know, you could have someone with scissors and a sheet and you're cutting things or whatever. I mean, or you could be Prince Kalitzin. Yeah, Prince Kalitzin, the, the, the Russian prince who became a Catholic priest, which is really cool. Anyway, um, so that was Halloween. Then uh, this weekend. Wait, we didn't do Anthony. Anthony was oh. a knight. It was a night. That's right. Sorry. Sorry, Anthony. We, we uh, got a little bit sidetracked by the radio. We oh, we did. Finally, we got some decorations. We got some Halloween decorations. Well, sort of roundabout way, because <laughs> summer camp for, for the scout camp this summer, there was a theme of pirates. And so I bought some skeletons, plastic skeletons online for the kids to use. Not to real skeletons their- online. That's a different part of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the part of the internet that I frequent. Yes. Anyway, I, I bought plastic skeletons. The kids used them to, to decorate their campsites. And then we had them left over for Halloween. And so they created these like skeletons emerging from the dirt uh, in front of us. And there was an old piece of slate from a walkway uh-huh. that one of them propped up like a gravestone. They propped up like a gravestone and then they put like two hands and feet in a skull like it was coming up out of the earth. Like he was climbing out of the dirt. Yeah, that was pretty good. And then when after Ben was done trick-or-treating, he hung his radioactive Boy Scout sign on the gravestone. 
So that was good. Yeah. So that was fun. It was, they did a good job. Uh, all right. Are we done with Halloween? I think we're done with Halloween. Okay. So skip ahead, Brother Maynard, to Friday and the weekend. And we had a scout camperie. Uh, only the girls' troop was going. Apparently, the boys' troop had, like, uh, some of the boys, not the entire troop, had been very busy over the past three weeks with camping things. Our boys didn't, uh, weren't involved in that, but but the leaders were kind of burnt out. So they didn't do that. So their troop didn't go. But the girls' troop went, and it was really nice. So they had um, our two girls and the senior patrol leader, Ayane, and a new girl, uh, Kendra, and her dad, Frank, came along. And Frank's a longtime Boy Scout from ages past and had been a counselor at Camp Squanto and all this other stuff. And he was very excited that she was interested. And Frank is actually, I know Frank from years ago because he's been a SQPN listener for a long time. And we met Frank uh, with a Father Roderick meetup. Back in 2016, I think it was Frank and Kendra. They came to the meetup, which I don't remember, but I, I take yeah. a word for it. No, I very specifically remember because she was so cute. She was this little tiny peanut, and she was very excited to be there, and it was really nice. Um, so, uh, yeah, so they came along, and so we came to the camporee. We had amazing weather. This was this weekend and tomorrow too, like Monday too. Seventy uh, mid seventies. Uh, today was kind of cloudy. The Sunday, but Saturday was brilliant, you know, sunny, like, and really nice. In fact, almost too sunny. I had to put up the canopy to keep the sun off my head because we we're in a field, in a campery field. Uh, but we get there on Friday night, set up in the dark, and this troop that was right next to us, uh, Troop 95 from Sharon, they had a string of lights around their campsite, which mm-hmm. was really cool. It's like to kind of delineate their place like in the air or in the on the ground in the air like they had uh poles yeah well they had tripods lashings of staves how oh, our kids should do that right right well because like christmas lights on them they were bigger bulbs oh, okay and i'm not sure what they were plugged into like me so our vehicles we could back right up to the, next to where our site was so they might have plugged oh, that's into different the from the last time we did the camper. yes yeah but if you have like a like a portable like battery pack or generator. No, well, there wasn't a generator because I didn't hear a generator running. But if you had some type of power source, uh, you could run off of that. That would be cool. So, but we didn't have that, but that would be really cool to have. I, I, I took note of that. That's what scouts do all the time. We we'll see what the other troops are doing and we get ideas. So the, we set up and it was kind of humid. It was not hot because in New England, even when the, if you have an Indian, well, can you call it Indian summer anymore? I don't know. Is that it's probably not politically correct. Anymore. I don't know. It's Indian summer. That's what we called it. Uh, so when you have these warm days in the, in the fall, like in November, even though it's a warm day, it still gets cold at night. Like the temperature drops and it gets into the forties, I guess. Uh, I think it was. And it was humid though. It was really humid. You could already start to feel like on the tents. It was get they were getting wet. As the as the temperature was dropping, by the morning it was so humid, it was like it had rained out, but worse because the water had gathered on the underside of the rain fly and was dripping down on us inside the tents. It was really annoying. Like it, it was dripping in my head. I was like, I, I might as well sleep outside. But uh, yeah, Bella said her her. Her sleeping bag uh, sleeping was wet. Got, got wet and then she forgot to air it out. And so it was damp when she went to bed the next night. Right, right. Yeah, she was calling me from her tent. I'm like, wrap yourself in your blanket. You know, you'll be fine. I was like, there's a blanket in the car. You could go get that and lay it out under you. But she just was fine. This is why at summer camp, they had a rule that everybody had to air, air out, out their, their sleeping tents. bag every, yeah. every day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was very wet. It was so weird. Anyway, we got up in the morning. Uh, we had a really nice setup. I had our new camp stove and our camp tables. Uh, Frank has a nice camp griddle, like camping griddle. Uh, I have the the uh, the um, propane gas tank, the big one that now I can hook the stove and a lantern to it. It's really nice. It runs forever, and you don't have to you know get the little green bottles and all that sort of stuff. It was really mm-hmm. nice. 
we had a really nice setup going. It was, we, uh, it, it might've been the best setup we've had so far for troop 13. We are firing all cylinders now. And, uh, <laughs> we're I, getting there. Yes. And I spent most of the day hanging out at the site. I, you know, I let the girls go off and do their thing. And, you know, there was, it was good. And I read, I had no internet connection there, like no phone connection. Uh, the only thing, if you have Verizon, I guess you can get, you can get a signal there. Everyone who had Verizon was fine. Uh, I could not get a signal. So I just hung out and read my book on my Kindle. Then um, the girls last year, they did not have a good time because, well, our girls were stressed out from the housing disaster, house disaster yeah, thing. Yeah, we were like in a rental house in Plymouth and yeah. they were just. Tired and cranky and had a right. bad time. And they were a little more, the, you know, the, the, the leader, the, the, you know, the scouts who was running things was a little more driven to complete all the tasks and compete with the others to win awards. And the way that the competitions were set up was kind of messed up. It wasn't it wasn't good. It was confusing and stressful for the kids. And they just didn't have a good time. This time we emphasized all, all of us adults, leaders, you know, emphasized having fun is the most important thing. Do not stress. Do not try to do everything. Just have fun first. And they did. And then they won one of their events and came in third and two others. So, you know, and of course it was the one they won was the compass event and they had just done the orienteering day last week. So, so they were fresh on the whole orienteering compass. Thing. Yes. Exactly. Uh, the senior patrol leader, Ayana, I mentioned she's um, she did summer camp as a counselor this year, a camp counselor. And, you know, she introduced Bella and Sophie and Kendra to all of her um, friends, the other counselors. And now Bella is really hyped up. She wants to be a counselor next summer. I think that'd be awesome for her. I'm glad she's getting excited because I thought I already thought that she should do it, but she wasn't like terribly thrilled. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad she's getting excited about it. So the the way it would work is that's Monday through or Sunday night through Saturday uh, or Friday night. So and then they're home on the weekend and like for two months, which would be an adjustment for everyone, for Bella, for the other kids, for Sophie, especially. It would be a big adjustment to not have, you know, they're always together. And so it would be weird for them to not be together. She's 16. She's 16. It's time for her to, it should be 17 then. She'll be, it's time for her to yeah. kind of spread her wings a little bit. You have to get used to this idea. So, yeah, so it was good. And then uh, they had the campfire Saturday night and uh, skits and the, you know, this, all the old skits. It was like, they have, they have not added a new skit in 40 years. We've lost a few skits because they're no longer appropriate, but we, but we still have like, the J.C. Penny skit where um, like there'll be one guy standing there and a kid will come up and he was like, you know, say to this, the, the kid who walks up to him, hey, nice shirt. Where'd you get it? Oh, I got it at J.C. Penny. Oh, no, I got it from J.C. Penny. And like, oh, cool. And he walks off and someone comes in. Hey, nice pants. Where'd you get him? Oh, I got him from J.C. Penny. And they go on and on. And then some kid will walk in. And he'll be just in a towel. And it's like, what's going on? Who are you? I'm J.C. Penny. It's always corny do, do, jokes. JC Penny doesn't even exist anymore, right? I don't even think it does. So uh, I'm not sure how long that skit will continue on. But like, <laughs> does it even do? Do kids, kids even, even know, know what, what JC Penny is? is? I don't know. I don't know. It's like Woolworths or something, you know? Right. Um, it's at the soda fountain. I mean, I remember shopping at JC Penny when yep. I was a teen. Yeah. But I. And then there's the. Um, Invisible, the invisible bench skit, which everybody does, uh -huh. the candy store skit. There's all kinds of ones, you know. The so it was fun. There was songs, and it was it was a, it was a lot of fun. It was it was really nice, and uh, it was nice because Sophie, who is and she early to bed, early to rise, uh, sort of person. She wanted to stay awake and aware, so we gave her some. Um, caffeine some 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 coke and she was able she was able to make it to it she was very pleased that she was able to make it to that so that was good that was my suggestion i said yeah. give the girl some caffeine caffeinate yeah. her 
Of course, she was really super tired today. <laughs> she was. She, she didn't sleep well after having caffeine, caffeine late in the yeah. day. Um, so she she's just been wiped today. She's slept most of the today. Yeah. Oh well, I guess it was a it was a worthwhile trade off. I yeah. think. So one of the funny things that uh, <laughs> we were hanging out around camp, you know, in between events. I think after uh, they came back for lunch, and Sophie was kind of bored. And we were talking about the porta potties that they had set up there for uh, all the scouts and adults to use. And so we just commented, I thought it was porter potty. And I'm like, porter, okay. Well, at least you didn't think it was uh, porta pottery because that would be the worst workshop ever. This clay is really weird. <laughs> and then somehow we we got to talking about how imagine if the TARDIS looked like a porta potty instead of a that was pot. one thing that does not need to be bigger on the inside. <laughs> not improved by being bigger on the inside. Yeah, I just imagine the doctor. Why do all these construction workers keep showing up and doing unspeakable things inside my TARDIS? And then uh and we started talking about like the instead of a sonic screwdriver, the sonic bidet, and then, um, then we started talking about how Romans used uh, butt sponges to wipe their butts. Yeah, so yeah, it was it was highbrow humor. Actually, at the next um, troop over, this one guy was like, well, as Sophie and I are talking and laughing hysterically at this. He's like, I'm not trying to eavesdrop, but this is one of the funniest conversations <laughs> I think I've heard. <laughs> so yeah it was pretty Uh funny i'm rolling my eyes (laughs) so while we were talking about uh, tardis porta potties and other highbrow topics what were you all doing while we were gone uh we had a pretty quiet day on saturday uh i baked you a birthday cake yay yay and i did lots of laundry and i washed all of our sheets and vacuumed our bedroom and you know really exciting housekeeping stuff exciting housekeeping yeah did the I kids... was behind on the kids mostly played outside good they all took showers uh they watched anything they on friday night well we had a huge debate because <laughs> ben wanted to watch either mulan or luca because the other kids anthony and lucy lucy had watched them while he was camping um, in a previous camping trip previous before Anthony was trip, in the troop, right? Before Anthony was in the troop, and so, and but but neither Lucy or Anthony was interested. Uh, Lucy was committed to watching Incredibles two, but was willing to compromise and watch Incredibles one again in order to watch Incredibles two. And eventually, that's what they went with. So she watched Incredibles for the second time in a very short period of time. Okay, because uh, she watched it. Last time everybody went camping right. without her. Right. Um, and then, and then they watched Incredibles two yeah, last night. Uh, okay. I, I did not watch Incredibles again. And even though I haven't seen Incredibles two, I was just not really interested. So, I did my own thing. Okay. Well, we'll talk about the enter- entertainment stuff that yeah. entertained you. And I, a bit, but I bought them ice cream and. Really, it was a quiet weekend here nice. on the home front. Yeah, good. So, um, yeah, so this is what we've been doing. Let's talk a bit about some food. With the crazy week it's been, you know, we had Monday was Chinese food, and Tuesday was scouts, and we, I don't know, we had pasta or something, and uh, Wednesday was curry, and Thursday was um, fried rice that I made. Yeah. And then Friday, I bought you... You you guys had salmon and, you know, had fish uh, while we were, because we were on our way to the camp, we stopped for fast food. Uh, so the first real meal we could make, you know, a new dish was t- was Sunday, Sunday tonight. Uh, and I had pr- bought, at, when I went, did the food shopping on Friday, I had bought some bone-in chicken thighs. And we, you know, we do that fairly often, just chicken, right. you know, bone-in chicken thighs, just broil it and you know, some veggies and rice and that's that. I decided to see if there was anything else we could do. And so I found this recipe for roasted chicken thighs with buttered mushrooms and leeks. Now, you had bought some leeks several weeks ago. Intending to make potato, potato leek, leek soup, soup but yeah. it just, it it never materialized. Yes. You've had 
you've had trouble getting things cooked that you want to cook lately. Yeah, it's just the days are getting away from me. And um, I very I very often end up doing, you know, the dinners. You pick up dinners, but they tend to be the things that are within the repertoire. Like easy, simpler, simpler things. Right. I don't know. It's I, I've been off my cooking game for a while. OK, we need to get you back on that horse. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. I was looking at this recipe and it's not too different from the normal thing we do. But here's what, what it the recipe wants you to do, which is that you um, season them, salt and pepper. Then you take you melt a little butter in a nonstick skillet and then you put the chicken in skin side down and cook it until browned on both sides. So you flip it halfway through for about 10 minutes. Then you take the chicken, put them on a rim baking sheet and roast them in the oven at 450 until they're 175 degrees. Then you cook mushrooms, the leeks and, you know, butter, more butter in the pan that you've roasted the uh, chicken in. But I didn't want to do that because whenever I cook chicken with the you know skin sky down in a skillet the on smoke. the stovetop it smoke. smokes the house out yeah it's awful yeah so what but i but i wanted to get those flavors so what i did was uh i salt and peppered and i also added the usual onion powder garlic powder um i don't think i added anything else to the salt in on both sides on the skin and on the on the back of the chicken put them in the oven and roasted them. It took a lot longer than the 25 minutes. Yeah. Um, it always does. Yeah. I don't know why. It- well, I don't think our stove is calibrated. So that I think that's part of it, but also cooking on the stovetop in the pan would have cooked it faster. That's just right. I did. The, I did the chicken in the oven from the start in the pan. I got some of the drippings from a previous bake whenever i we roast chicken thighs i collect the drippings and keep them in the fridge we you know we we both do that and uh so there was some um chicken fat and the the uh, chicken juices put it in the skillet with the butter and the mushrooms and the leek and cooked them in there and so then you, you cook those with the lid on till the mushrooms release their liquid then you take the lid off and let it cook down until the mushrooms are browned then you add uh, thyme and garlic, and then off heat, you stir in some lemon zest and more butter. There's four tablespoons of butter, and then those are done. The, for the chicken, I waited till the chicken was pretty much done, then I basted them with melt, melted butter, and then put them under the broiler for a few minutes to really crisp up the skin. And I think it came out pretty good. It was good. Yeah. I liked it. Uh, I, the vegetables are really good. I mean, cooking vegetables in like chicken drippings is always good. <laughs> it's just it's the way around that. That's always good. I mean, it's pretty. It's it's pretty simple. It's not you know groundbreaking. It's just you, you're cooking mushrooms and leeks and tr- chicken drippings. So uh, that was good. All right. So uh, let's talk about things we've been reading and watching. I. I'm normally like, oh, I'm still working on my book. I'm still working on my book. I've been working on my book for three months. I read three things this week. Three short things. Three shorter things. Well, no, the one thing was long. So two short things and one long book. Okay. Uh, So I read a novella from the Expanse series. So the Expanse, that it was the TV show. It's a near future science fiction. Um, And this was a novella that takes place in that world. And I don't want to spoil anything, but. This one particular the the way it works is is that aliens have created this gate ring system that people travel through in space from one solar system to another. And this particular colony has been cut off from the gates. Uh, I I won't spoil why, but uh, because that's from the the main um, storyline. So it's been cut off. And so it takes place on this planet as this particular colony is starting to deal with the consequences of this, they're going to start running out of the things that they've gotten from civilization. The, the 
colony had been run by the scientist types, the you know professionals, the white collar people. Uh-huh. But now the blue collar types who have, you know, more ability to deal with the rough and tumble, you know, alien world are starting to assert dominance. And there's this one character that we know from the novel, the original novels, who has been trying to live under the radar, sees something, he sees something developing, like something really bad is developing in this, this one guy who's starting to assert dominance. And he knows, just knows that if this guy gets in charge, it's going to be very bad for everyone. And so what does he do about that? So it's interesting. So it's called The the Sins of Our Fathers. Uh, So fairly short. Then I read the book that you recommended, the the first of the Murderbot Diaries, All Systems Read. Also a novella. I would say it's a novella. Oh, yeah. The the first four Murderbot books are all novellas. And then I think the fifth book is a longer book. And it was as good as you said it would be. Uh, It's... I was a little bit worried you might not like it, so I'm glad you really no it. no it's it's right in my alley. It's the the tech is good, you know. The, it doesn't neglect the tech aspect. I always like the tech aspect, um, but it's not the most important thing. But the but the tech works within the context of the story, and it creates a world for him to live in, or the 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 murderbot, um, and the. The whole story is from the Murderbot's point of view. And for a reason you find out at the end. And I don't want to say it was predictable because it wasn't. But I could see where it was going and I liked where it was going. But it's very clear, as you say, like Murderbot is kind of autistic is is socially awkward doesn't like talking to people don't look at my face don't look at yeah don't look at me while you're talking to me and don't talk to me if you don't have to and i'd rather have a mask on than be exposed and i don't want to talk about my feelings and yeah it was it was very interesting i i just loved the narrative voice like i really really liked the character like the story told from this character's point of view right and the fact that it calls itself Murderbot. Murderbot. Like, that's not what it's... It's a, sec, a security unit or sec unit. And... Yeah, so Murderbot is not its its official designation. It's it's self-deprecating... It's a self-deprecating uh, uh, moniker. It, it, it has given itself for reasons in you find out in the story. No, to be clear, because I wasn't clear before I read read the books... The, bur- the 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 murder bot does not go around killing people in the stories. Right. It is not like on a a, a robot on a rampage. Right. It's not an assassin or I, I I kind of felt like that might be what it was. Right. It's so it's it's a security robot that calls itself murder bot because it's, it's very of, cynical about it's cynical its role. about its role and what people expect of it and how people treat it. Right. And how scared people are of it. Yes. Because people do generally treat the security units badly because they're just robots. Right. And well, and it's also Murderbot is is addicted to watching human TV shows. Basically, yeah, TV shows, like streaming yeah. shows, and like every chance it gets, it shuts down and like just watches shows, like binge watches, and hates to get interrupted when it's trying but, to watch but the shows. The, but in the shows. Security units are always the bad guy. And so I think there's a sort of a like so reflecting the human expectation of, well, the bad, evil security unit that goes crazy and kills everybody. Right. But there's also this idea that pe- people in real life are not as good, like as understandable or as good or any of those things as the people in the shows that it watches. Like re- right. real people in real life are messier and uh, more annoying and unpredictable and so it doesn't like it so it was a good story i I really liked that i enjoyed that i'm looking forward to reading more of them uh the third thing so i i read that on saturday while i was at the campery and i also read the entire book uh called dead man's hand by james j butcher he is the son of jim butcher the author of the dresden files the series of books that you and i have both raved about so it's his son 
And he's also written a book which involves, uh, what do they call it? Ur- 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 magical fantasy. realism? Urban fantasy. Urban fantasy. Not, not magical realism. That's a totally different thing. Okay. Uh, if you insist. I do. Okay. Uh, so urban fantasy. So it's a world where witch, uh, magic and witchcraft, witches, they call them witches, or wiz, you know, we, we would call wizards in other contexts. But magic and magical creatures are not only real, but they're out in the open. People know them. And there's a dep- department of unorthodox affairs. They're so, called so the unorthodox. Unlike, unlike the Dresden Files where it's all hidden and nobody knows about them. Yes. In this, it's out in the open. What's interesting is there's a character, an important character, who will remind you, as you read it, remind you of Harry Dresden, uh, which is really kind of funny. And then the main character is a younger guy who who also who does magic, who, you know, is um, not a protege, but unsure and new and trying to make his way. and. Uh, so it's kind of funny because this is the son and the father and, you know, this, the connections. So it's, it's about, a, you know, a world in which there's magic and magical creatures like his father's most famous work, but it's different from that. It's also set in Boston, which is kind of interesting. Um, he doesn't give too many identifying landmarks. He doesn't fall into that trap. That's always safest. Although at one point he talks about being north of Boston in in a you know in a town north of Boston, seeing Boston skyline in the distance, and I'm trying to think of where would that be. It had to be Lynn, like the only thing I can think of. Anyway, so uh, it was lot, good. There's not a lot of places on the North Shore you can see Boston skyline. From. Exactly, it might be somewhere in Revere, but it's mostly Lynn. I would think would be the the only one that would fit this description. But it, it feels to me like. James Butcher did not go visit Boston to do some like location scouting. <laughs> he looked at Google Street Street View, and that that was pretty probably pretty much it. But I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to reading the next one. He's certainly got a lot of talent, uh, which is good. Um, so I recommend that one. Um, so that's what I've been reading. How about you? Um, I. Um, I've been reading John Le Carre and I picked up a few other books and just put them de- picked up and put them down. But that's what I've been reading. Um, so I read the second book in the um, series, the George Smiley series, which was called A Murder of Quality, which was not a spy, not a spy novel. It's just a strict murder mystery. But George Smiley gets sucked into investigating it. He's a spy, right? He's a spy. Yeah. Um and so I finished that and that was good. It it's kind of a a school story like a British boarding school elite elite school story. Um and so that was it was interesting uh sort of seeing our character as a fish out of water. Okay. Uh but doing an investigation and then now i'm reading the the third book in the series which is called the spy who came in from the cold uh which is a very like it is it is a spy novel Mm -hmm. and george smiley is a very small minor secondary character at least in the first half of the book which is what i've read and uh so it's got the, the protagonist is a completely different guy but he's um he's a double agent which is exciting. Okay. Evidently, this is like one of the like big double agent books. Like, like John Lucari has in his introduction says that like everybody was convinced when it was first published that you know he was like revealing all sorts of like very important like spycraft, secret spycraft stuff. This yeah. is what's going on, you know, and and like political stuff. Like this is what's going on in the Cold War. Um, and he's like, yeah. If if I was revealing anything important, they would not have let me publish the book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I, I thought that was really it was kind of fun. Like his intro was 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 uh was well. The, the thing is, so much of what we humorous. think of as standard spy novel, spy movie stuff comes from John Le Carre. Mm-hmm. Like he's he invented a lot of this stuff. That and and uh, Ian Fleming, right? Who both worked, who who both worked for the British Secret Service. So. Yes. So, so there's that. 
did you, and you also watched something too? Oh yes, I did. Uh, so while you were gone, I I got bored and decided I really felt like watching a show oh, while the kids were watching The Incredibles, and uh, I ended up on BritBox just kind of bopping around looking for what looked interesting, and I ended up watching a show called Suspect, which I think had like maybe eight episodes. It wasn't it wasn't a super long show, mm-hmm. uh, and uh it started it starred uh john nesbitt james nesbitt shoot now i can't remember uh i will look it up he's an irish cop who in the first episode he he goes to the morgue uh on police business and then realizes that it's his daughter on the slab and he freaks out and then goes off to hunt. He, he, she, she's purportedly a suicide and he goes off to find the killer. So he goes completely off the reservation. I, the acting was great. The writing was good. But every single cop in the show was crooked. And I felt like it was a deeply cynical movie it was very much about the relationship between this father who has failed his daughter and this girl who has like her adult life has basically been a train wreck and every single person he meets says your daughter is so messed up because you were such a bad father and so like every single person he meets is like oh you're the bad father oh you're the reason why her life was crap And so you can see why he's so driven to solve his murder because he feels such a debt of guilt towards her, towards having failed her. And so in terms of like the psychological drama, there was a lot of really interesting stuff going on, but it just felt really like a show with a bleak worldview. Mm. There was not, there was not a really good person in the whole thing. Everybody was crooked. Everybody was on the take. Everybody was morally uh compromised Mm. so i i can't really highly recommend it although it was it was good it just wasn't good (laughs) you know yeah it had uh it is eight episodes i think so you watched all eight episodes yeah they weren't long episodes. They were like 25 minute episodes. Oh, okay. Like wow. they were short episodes. Okay. Um, it the, had a, what's his name? Who played the master? Richard E. Grant was in it. Oh, Sasha Dewan. Sasha Dewan. Yes. He was awesome. Uh, Richard E. Grant also played the master in a, um, in the comedic, uh, there was a comedic version of uh, like a doctor who thing with uh, Mr. Bean as the doctor. Oh, yeah, that was really funny. Anyway, but yeah, Richard E. Grant was in it. Sasha Dewan is in it. Um, so, and James Nesbitt. James Nesbitt. Who, I don't know if, what else he was in. He was in The Hobbit, but he was under all that makeup. Yeah. As the, one of the one of the doors. I mean, he was good, but he's was, was a very. But it's a very bleak. A thing. very convincing, very driven, but not psychologically well character like he was he was haunted by by not just his daughter's death but he was clearly he kept seeing her like having visions of her and they were very disturbing Mm. Uh, he he just like struck me as a character who even before she died was not well right and like you said everybody every character is not a good person yeah yeah, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really like shows where like there's no hero. Everyone's an anti-hero or an or a bad guy. I don't. Yeah, not my thing. I just can't get into it. Well, there's a but there's a lot of good stuff on BritBox. A lot of I feel like British crime dramas, and the British know how to do crime dramas. Let me they say, do. they have some really good uh, stuff there. Um, you know, it's it's dangerous to live in a small town in Britain because everybody's always being murdered. <laughs> yes. Oh, is that was that the actress who plays Vel in Andor in that? Uh, maybe. Oh, interesting. Which one was she? Uh, Neve Algar. Nicola? Oh, she plays the roommate. Uh, uh, I just saw. 
like a picture of her. I don't know if it's the same person. I Maybe not. She's she had an Irish accent, but I mean, she could be. It is not. It's not okay. Yeah, uh, Andor is still really good. It it it's kind of fascinating to see this. It's a I, very grown up drama. Yeah, I, I really am liking it a lot. And Andy Circus can act. He's not just you know a voice doing Gollum. He can act. He, yeah, he's, he's good. really good in, in Andor. Uh, what was I going to say about it? I mean, it's a prison drama right now, and it's been really good. And uh, Bella came up with a really interesting um, point about the most recent episode is that all the major characters are all in a kind of prison. Yeah. Some of their own making, some are gilded, some are very literal, but they're all in prison. So it's kind of interesting. Tony Gilroy is the is the showrunner on that. And someone asked him, you know, what's it like to make a show that's a prequel where, you know, the main character is going to die in Rogue One? You know, sorry, spoilers, I suppose, but um, he's going to die in Rogue One. And he's like, like Rogue One is a new movie. Yeah. And he said, everything's a prequel because we all know we're going to die. You know, the question is, is how do we live? Right. Well, this is true. So I thought that was a very astute observation and an interesting, you know, memento mori sort of way to look at it. So he is writing in this is really good. It's just been a really good series. I, I know some people have complained that it doesn't feel a lot like Star Wars. There's no lightsabers. There's no Jedi. There's no Sith. There's no force. There's no emperor. It's very much the gritty nitty gritty of the regular workaday world of the Star Wars universe. That's what I like about it. I, yeah. I don't know. I really like inhabiting the Star Wars universe and, and exploring the corners of it. Yep. Same here. A lot of people, uh, I think a lot of people who like it agree. All right. So let's move on and talk about this week's mass readings. This was the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. And we had the first reading is from Maccabees about the seven brothers tortured to death by the uh, Greeks. The Greeks. We're getting to the end of the year. Every time we, we hit Maccabees, I'm like, okay, Christ the King is how many weeks? I'm paging through the missile going, oh, yeah, two weeks from now. <laughs> yes, right. Heaven, hell, death, and purgatory. And, All of the last things. Yep. And then the gospel was the Sadducees with the, the, the divorce question yes. about the woman who marries the seven brothers and whose wife would she be in the resurrection? See, I, I keep thinking about which what priest was it? Was it Father Curry who said the Sadducees were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in an afterlife. <laughs> yes. I, I have never forgotten who, which one was the, the Pharisees believed in life after death and the Sadducees didn't. Yes. The Sadducees were sad, you see. So, and that's one of the interesting things is they don't believe in the resurrection. So they're, the question they're putting to Jesus is, no pun intended, in bad faith. It's deeply cynical. Right. They're they're just trying to catch Jesus. Like, yeah, like, we don't really believe in this stuff, but you do. So we're going to, like, throw this ridiculous scenario at you and watch you try to spin your way out of it, you which, know, is, which is basically Twitter. But, I was going to say, I was going to say, that's like modern social media, like the, yeah. the, the troll who shows up in the com box and starts at, posing these, these, trolley problems sort of scenarios <laughs> knowing that like they don't believe in any of it and they're just trying to catch you out right jimmy yakin does a really good job by the way of answering people like that it's so good he does he's his patience with people like that is really so much more patience than i do yeah and jesus's answer is is you know she won't be married to any of them because there will not be marriage in heaven they, you know there will be you know, they, they can no longer neither marry nor given in marriage. They can no longer die for they are like the angels, which is which in that case, what he means is deathless, not we'll have wings and flit around. We don't become angels, right. uh, but we're they, like, well, in fact, that that actually kind of because he says like the angels and not you will be angels. It makes it pretty clear that we're not going to, going become, to become angels. angels. Right. Um, so. I thought it was that was an interesting uh, aspect of the reading is you know how they're they're just asking in bad faith they, they they don't really want an answer because they don't believe this anyway. What they're trying to do is to trip up Jesus, and he doesn't fall in the trap because he never falls in the trap. Um, I I always it's always hard to think about the whole idea that 
you know, in the resurrection, if God willing that you and I are both there, we won't be married. And, you know, what happens if, like, one of us dies first and, and the other one remarries? Wouldn't that be weird? But it won't be, obviously. I don't know. It's kind of, it's weird to think about. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I mean, you know, I would want you to be happy. I'm not sure, you know, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Is it weird? Um, You're a lot more weirded out by life after death questions than I am. In I general. know. I have a real phobia about immortality. You do. I I find it. It's anxiety. In, I have anxiety-induced immortality you, syndrome. Something like that. It's it's kind of weird because I just find, like, everything about heaven just sounds awesome and intriguing to me. Infinity. Infinity. Forever. Like, not stop. Oh, I can't talk about it. It's because it, I, get, I get, I start to get anxious and... Uh, That's so weird. To me, it just, it seems exciting. Like, like to me, yeah. it sounds like I, I think about heaven and I'm like, that sounds like the best thing ever. Uh-huh. Let's not talk about it. Okay. So moving on. <laughs> I can't, I, I really can't. I can't talk about it. it yeah. I, I shouldn't have brought I it think, up. I think my, my, my early imagination was formed by, by the last battle. And I just, for me, heaven is like further up, further in. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. So Father Pinto's homily, <laughs> moving on. I'm not talking about it. Father Pinto's homily. Uh, does anyone else have the same issues or am I the alone in this? I just, I just want to know. So he, ta- he started off by talking about Mozart. He did. The genius. And, you know, Who died at 35. 35. And that, had written that's so young. hundreds of uh, compositions by then. And always, uh, he never had to rewrite a first draft. Every composition came out perfect the first time he wrote it. Can you imagine? I, like I can't a singular imagine. genius. Like no one has ever been like Mozart. It may never be another Mozart. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. At four, he was com- starting composing. He was playing multiple instruments. I mean, a singular talent and died at 35. And father says, what a waste that he should have died so young. What could have been had he lived to 70? And, it, and he says, it makes you wonder if this life is all there is. And I'm like, that's an interesting question that you're bringing up. That is, although part of me wonders, would Mozart have continued to produce or would he have burned out? Would he have burned out? Would he have become like a horrible, pathetic? drunken awful man who had lost his talent and vision like maybe it was a mercy that he died young well it could be we don't know that's that's the mystery of god right and, i mean we don't know right but i guess there's always my, my story the, the, there's like the storytelling part of my brain that's like maybe it wasn't a waste right right well i mean it, was, it would have been a waste either way like if he had lived and wasted the talent in those other ways as well right that's but true. your father's point is, is that important things, good things continue on even after death. You know, Mozart continues to exist in the afterlife. God willing, he's in heaven. But, you know, we don't know. That's that's between him and God. But um, but he says love endures past death and is enjoyed even more in the afterlife, which is what the, the readings are telling us. Um, in fact, in the first reading, you know, the as the as the first brother is dying or one of the brothers is dying being tortured he says you accursed fiend you're depriving us of this present life but the king of the world will raise us up to live again forever it is for his laws that we are dying and like they in each brother as he's dying you know talks about how you know this life passes but the next life is great is greatness is it'll be even more wonderful love as much as much as love in this world is awesome love in the next world will be even more and w- one of the things father says is he said we have to live life like people of the resurrection not like we're living in the tomb of sin and temptation you know we have to come out of the tomb and live the, as people of the resurrection 
And he, he left us with a question from Jesus. When will you begin to love me? And that's an interesting point. Have we started loving Jesus the way we ought? Not just like saying, oh, I love you, Jesus. Are you loving Jesus? He said that was from like a fellow priest who had told him about having like he was in prayer and then he heard a voice like say, when will you begin to love me? Right. Right. That's right. 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 Um, yeah. Can you imagine praying and hearing a voice saying, so when are you going to start loving me? Oh, uh, I thought I was. <laughs> Especially a priest. Like, yeah, this is this is somebody who's, you know, given his life to to Jesus. And Jesus saying, you haven't yet. And that's a, and it's that is a important question for all of us to reflect on. Have we started loving? Do we? I, I mean, it's something that's made me stop to think, do I really Am I loving Jesus? I I say I love Jesus, but am I loving Jesus? What does that mean? How does how does that look? What should that look like in my life? That's a big question. I'm not sure there's an easy answer that you can just like lay it out, but um it is an important question. It's the question. It's the question. It's the only important question. So um, as we approach Christ the King and the renewal of the liturgical year and Advent, it's probably not a bad question to make the center of our prayer life. I have to say this this time of year, I I like the liturgies at the end of the year. I I really like this time of year when we're asked to by the church to to ponder these important questions. You know the. the this is the dying time of year, and I really like the fact that our liturgies reflect that. We have mm-hmm. all saints and all souls, and we have these readings about death and the afterlife, heaven and hell and purgatory, and we're really called to 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 ponder these things, to to remember that we're... Yep. we're Interesting thing. In the Northern Hemisphere, this is the time right. of the dying off of plants and we're going into the dark in the southern hemisphere this is it's springtime there's new life and rebirth and uh, there was an article last year talking to people in you know, australia and the philippines and you know other southern hemisphere places in south america how did like this i think the priests how do you preach about these readings when it's springtime and it's like actually it's pretty easy because Instead of focusing on the end of this life, we're focusing on the beginning of the next life that we're all striving for. Like, yes, things are things end in this life, but there's a new life than the resurrection that we're looking forward to. Right. I I mean, I think that. While things seem to line up really nicely for us, I I also think that there's a universal experience that. uh, Mm -hmm. it fits no matter how you do it. Like I remember talking to our friend Jen Ambrose, who lives in China. Uh, she's an expatriate, and talking about how in China white is the symbol, like the color white is what you wear for death. Right. Like for us, black. it's like new life. Brides wear white, but in China, like brides wear red. White is like for death. And so when, but but talking about how the symbolism then for like the baptismal garment. That white garment is you're putting on death. Well, it used to be in our liturgical vestments that they wore black vestments at funerals, but now they wear white vestments, right, to remind us of the baptismal gown and and that there is new life in death. So, so in a way, in China, the white is almost like wearing the black vestments. Like there's this reminder of yes, death. But but I mean I mean it still means new life and rebirth. But there's there's a cultural weight to it that it doesn't have for us, right? The, but the thing is, is the church's the liturgical year reflects the seasonal year, which is a cycle of life, death, and rebirth. I mean, it's just this the 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 universe itself teaches us about the eternity that we're headed for. We have. 
birth, life, death, and rebirth. That's our that's our future. That's our life cycle, shall we say? That's the life cycle of the world. I mean, it's kind of fascinating to think how God has made the world in a way to teach us this truth. And then the church, in her wisdom, continues to teach us this truth. And I love the fact that every year we kind of go through a retreat in November that makes us stop and reflect as we prepare for Advent. And that's, like, as you mentioned, these readings leading up to uh, the 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 liturgical new year and and i have to say i'm i'm definitely feeling it like the sunset today at 4 30 yes daylight this, this is the my time, old my old enemy we meet again this is the time of year when i just start to go oh the long dark <laughs> the long <laughs> i mean long, not, dark we just ended daylight saving time so i don't don't write to me to correct me it's the change i don't care if it, we stick with daylight savings I, or we do day, winter time or whatever you want to call it just stick with one. Stop changing the clocks. Please. I, I would by far prefer to have daylight savings time all year round. So the one thing that was good about the clock change this year, so kind of switching gears for a second, is instead of getting an extra hour of sleep this morning, I got up with the dawn because that's what you do when you camp. And we had an extra hour to pack up so we could be home in time to go to mass because usually... You know, we get up and it's race, 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 and we might make it home in time for Mass. But this, we definitely had an extra hour to get home in time for Mass. So, yeah, Mass was an hour later by the solar clock, shall we say. Right. Anyway, but yeah, let's stop switching the clocks. That's my old my old rant. All right, let's wrap up there. I think we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create Raising the Bets, including Aaron L., John Z., Jeff F., Scott S. and Danielle H. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue raising the bets and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And that's it for this time. Find links from our discussion in our show notes at sqpn.com slash bets. That's B-E-T-T-S. Send your feedback at the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media. Send us an email at bets at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. Write a review at Apple Podcasts and share the podcast with your friends to help us grow our community and reach more listeners. So, until next time, I'm Dom Bettinelli. And I'm Annie Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to Raising the Bets on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy, The Catholics of Oz. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash oz.